0: Kommt aus der Zukunft. Ich habe ihm nicht geglaubt. Wenn du es gewusst hast. Warum hast du es
1: dann nicht verhindert?
0: Ich wusste nicht, dass er sich das Leben nimmt. Aber du hättest mir retten können. Ich habe
2: jetzt noch eine Oma und die ist Direktorin an meiner Schule. Ihr Mann, der nebenbei meine Mutter fickt, und sein Sohn, der mein Vater ist.
3: saves us. This is the fear of God.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fear of God podcast. Feels like we have been doing this for a very long time. My name is Reed Lackey. We have been... (laughs) Podcasting to you for now for 33 years, <laughs> bringing to you all of the wonderful stories at the intersection of faith and, uh, faith and, uh, uh, give me a minute, um, faith and fear, faith and fear. And, uh, so t- typically with me, no, <coughs> excuse me, typically with me is one Mr. Nathan Rouse, but, He's not here today. I don't know what he's gone to do. He's <laughs> off doing something. I don't know what that man does most of the time. He's a strange one, that Nathan Rouse. But but I do have some other guests with me. I figure, you know what? Talk to myself all the time. Why don't I just go ahead and and talk to myself right now? So uh, so why don't hey why don't you come over here and uh, yeah why don't you why don't you introduce yourself to the people?
0: Hi, my name is Reed Lucky and while we wait for Nathan Ross to get back, we would like to ask you to go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating
1: and a review. It would help us out a lot and help other people find the show, and it would mean a lot to us. Thank you very much.
2: Well, thank you, Reed. That was very, very good, and I appreciate that and uh oh, we have somebody else here uh, hi, what was your name
1: oh i'm I'm reed I'm Reed. It's really nice to meet you so uh so yeah, while we're waiting for uh the three of us are sitting here waiting for oh Nathan, there you are hi, hi, buddy TikTok, tock tick
3: tock, tick tock. I don't even know how to reply to this. That was amazing. <laughs>
1: man, so I want to say a very, very special thank you to my son for filling in for me. As say hi to everybody. Young Reed, who is Hello. who is more or less <laughs> 33
3: years younger than you.
1: Yes, you know, that is uh, give or take a year. Yes, that is, that is actually correct.
3: And we do want to welcome Old Man Reed to the show.
2: Thank you very much. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be making appearances throughout the course of the conversation. And...
3: You know, Sorry, uh, my bad. This is, you know, I, I, my, so that would mean 72. Yeah, may, maybe, but old man Reed, you're, you sound a little older than just 33 years older than, than, than regular Reed. Life's
2: hard. I just, you know, it's been, it's been difficult. It's you been know. a tough time. It's been it been a has tough been, time. you know, things don't get easier, y'all, I'll just let you know. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now from here, just enjoy your youth. Or, you it. or
3: are you a 107-year-old, Reed?
2: You know, last time I checked, <laughs> last time I got checked, I, uh, <laughs> I forget exactly what they told me, but uh, it was, um, I'm sorry, I just got distracted. I don't
3: know yeah, what it It happens. It happens. It
2: does. Yeah, more often than I'd like.
3: I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, what know. are we doing again? Come back, come back and visit us sometime, old man Reed.
2: I will, I will. I'm gonna go to bed.
3: Okay. Okay.
1: All right. Yeah. You you go off. You you go over there. Woo-wee. This is the, theater of the mind, right? It here, is. So, uh, it is. I, listeners don't know, or maybe they can guess. I gave you no prep for that whatsoever. You <laughs> so didn't. You didn't. I. I appreciate for the it. commitment. <laughs> Proud. Of I was you. like, I'm
3: impressed that you're. You're a good man, Reed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, kindly, si. Um, Hey, Nathan. How's hey it going, buddy? So, I'm good. We, are, we are, if listeners haven't been able to pick up on it, we are in this final episode of phase one of hashtag Speaking in Tongues, our devoted series on foreign language horror material. We have been covering, uh, we covered four films. We covered Qui-Don last week week before that, we covered A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. The week before that, Eyes Without a Face, featuring our foreign correspondent, Vera Gowdy. And then launching the series was the Korean film, The Wailing. Uh, this has been, I don't know about you, but I i feel really, really happy with all of the conversations that have happened. I think that uh, this has been a really fun series. And I, I mean, we've been teasing it, but I'm excited for when phase two finally comes in, which yeah. will be rather imminent. I'm, I'm excited. Yes, and
3: I did want to read, I don't know, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I don't know if you, as of this recording, have gotten your campaign t shirt yet. But just a reminder two weeks ago, we unveiled to the world the brand new Jacob Hunt uh, oh, yeah. Frankenstein 2020 brand new campaign art for
0: mm-hmm.
3: Frank and Nathan and Dr. Riedenstein as co presidents of. Of the, oh, wor- of the world, you know.
1: It's a glorious thing. Well, I t- well I tell you, as of this recording, I have yet not yet purchased it. But if that if you're hearing this right now, I would like to make you aware that if you're hearing this on launch day, this is my birthday. So you are more than whoa, welcome to. Whoa! it. Reed, <laughs> than welcome it's to your Sunday birthday. It's my birthday. It's your birthday. Yes. So uh, yeah, thank you, Looky thank there. you very much. Yeah, and in true dark fashion, you're telling you're telling me happy birthday like like time travel early. It's it, it's well, pretty awesome.
3: Yeah, I mean I'm telling you now.
1: Right, that's what I'm saying. Like you're telling me now, but but as right the listeners now listen to this is
3: then October. <laughs> For... Wow.
2: <laughs> what was he saying? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh.
1: oh boy. But yes, no, uh I didn't want to steal your thunder there. Yes, so the so the campaign Franken, Nathan, and Riedenstein twenty twenty is up there. We've got a pretty nice little tea public presence right there. I'm very proud of our little shop. That's uh it's nice. If you have not yet purchased your merchandise, perched your merch as we like to say around here, then uh well, please I don't know by what by you means, like to say. I
3: like to say make a merch purge,
1: you know. Merch purge. Well, I just like to invert things that you day that you do. You know, like you say, you say hello, I you know say, like oh, if hey. you're if you're in a house
3: of worship on Sunday morning, you could get out your phone it'd be rude, but you could get out your phone and make a merch perch at church, you know
1: ooh, and then if there's a tree outside, you might be able to make a merch <laughs> perch at church with a birch and
3: you know if if you know your neighbor is watching the Adams family on their phone, you could make a merch perch at church with a birch while watching lurch, you know.
1: That's true, that's true <laughs> And then if there's a light, if there's an electrical storm <laughs> What? <laughs> if there's an electric- i mean th- no that one doesn't really work but, I, don't know I where mean you're going where were you going? Uh, if there was an electrical storm, then you can make a merch perch <laughs> at church <laughs> by a birch with lurch, and then there's a search oh what you know, oh. you know like like dark I don't yeah, I, get it. I don't know you know a search, yeah, I get it, like a search yeah. engine like yeah. you know, Google it. Right. Speaking
3: There's of Google, new. Google tpub- com. go plug in the Fear of God podcast and perch your merch. Mm
1: hmm.
3: Make a merch with perch.
1: Lurch. With Lurch or, <laughs> oh my birch gosh. or any other. Thing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we had a two hour
3: plus episode last week. We can't do that again this we week. We can't do that right constant, now. <laughs> we're, our constant listeners are going to be not quite so constant. Um, that is true. That is true. So, yes, you said, what did you say? Your birthday is October 1st with Lurch. Yes, it is. It with is. Merch so, perch. So, you don't I have will- your shirt yet, but. You, you know, go get a shirt. Uh, portions of those proceeds are going to go to support uh, the Florence project. We would love for you yes. constant Lester, to do that. You will have the opportunity again in phase two in November to uh, re-engage that idea, but please get you a shirt, get a candidate shirt. We'd love as we did with the first round of merch uh, for, to post those pictures of you guys. Um, additionally, don't forget comfort in the creepy post pictures of your home's decor. We Indeed. are we are it is October now as of when this recording releases. This this is too much dark, man. Um <laughs> when this recording releases, it's October Reed. It's your birthday. My, hey, my birthday my birthday's next week. My birthday, yeah. your birthday. Um it's the podcast birthday. Um yeah. So, yeah. you know, just post pictures of comfort in the creepy. Do you want to tell them about our series between Phase one and two of Speaking in Tongues?
1: Yes. So so in between now and the next phase of Hashtag Speaking in Tongues, we're doing something that we've been pitching to you for quite some time. If you have not already voted, then sadly you missed your mark. You missed your opportunity. But uh, we will be, as we have the past uh, two Octobers, we will be counting down your favorite horror films, from the decades. So we did the 90s at first, and then we did, uh, last year we did the 80s. This year, starting next week, we're going to be counting down your top 50 uh, horror films of the 1970s. Hashtag, I love the 70s. So um, check that out. Uh, we're going to be, it, normally we do like five episodes and we are in uh, countdown like 10 per. Uh, this week, obviously, this is October 1st. And so we, we weren't able to start with that right now. But next week we will be counting down your number 50 down through your number 31 and we will be covering an episode from your top 10 so stay tuned to the social media feeds for that sadly if you missed the voting then still check out the podcast um there are some iconic films of the 70s and i think you're really going to enjoy that series and then after that following october we will be right back with more of hashtag speaking in tongues very exciting things on the horizon i'm very very excited for it.
3: yes i love the 70s um, that's going to be fun. Mm. And, you know, read before we get too far into the caves of Wyndon, I did. I, I actually, funny enough, I had a guest ready to go, too. Um, oh, you did? Just, you yeah, did? Just, hang on just a oh. second. Come, can, it's okay. It's okay. Come on over. Just take your time.
0: What you watching? <laughs> what you reading?
2: What are you listening to? Is that okay? Yeah, you. It's my old friend. Oh my <laughs> hey, hey, buddy. Oh
3: my god. <laughs> wow. People were digging the dark talk, the dark series, until this episode. It's like <laughs> now they're they like, this, this they is came to finish the se- the season, and they're like, oh my god, these <laughs> these this dudes is ridiculous. These I'm, dudes not, are I'm not I'm not doing this for two hours. <laughs> So, <laughs> so Reed, um I think if I'm not mistaken. Mm. I don't know now I don't know if you have other things. Mm. I don't. I've just got one. Um no, but but ours is a mutual.
1: Yes, indeed. Actually, I, I did have one uh small thing, but uh but I actually will defer to our uh to our mutual because I think I know what you're gonna mention and I want to talk about that more.
3: Well, um you know dark's cycle of 33 years is echoed by another major sort of genre franchise's cycle of 27 years that a mm-hmm. uh, second iteration of just of which just released 2 years after its That's first right. volume and that of
1: it chapter 2 exactly so full disclosure ladies and gentlemen uh we've both seen this Obviously we've both we're both going to chat about it for a moment but we're gonna probably withhold some of our more substantive thoughts because I think Nathan if you recall uh, we had for a quarterly king when it chapter one which was just called it at the time when it came out uh, we got the losers club together we did all of our all of our podcast friends uh, which have now become uh, somewhat recurring favorites for the Quarterly Kings that we have. So uh, we are planning on the horizon to get the Losers Club back together in true fashion and all of us discuss IT Chapter 2 together. But in general, what did you think of IT Chapter 2? Well,
3: what's not what's good to know, Riri, in all your various chronological iterations, is that I am excited to uh, reconvene the Losers Club for the... Mm. The opportunity at that point in time, which will be this year, by the way, constant listener. Um, yes, it'll be a little bit, but it will be this year. Um, the opportunity to rewatch it, chapter two, because right now, and we established last week with Quiet on that context is everything. But right now, um, I am not a fan of it, chapter two. Ah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, understood. Do you though? I don't think you I do. do. Yeah, okay, no, I do.
1: I mean, I disagree, but I understand. But I can you disagree
3: with me not being a fan of a thing? Like, is that a a thing that can be disagreed mm. with? You can disagree yes. with potential takes that may be drawn out of it, but my conclusion mm-hmm. is simply, I don't like a thing. Like, no, like if I, I think if I said, you're
1: more a fan than you think you are. <laughs> if I if I said I don't
3: like Brussels sprouts, is the as a natural statement for you to say I disagree with you, Nathan? I'm like, well, that's not it's not a thing.
1: hmm Hmm. in in the list of strange conversations we've had on this show this this is this this is is rapidly (laughs) rising. um but but no like i think because if if you said i don't like brussels sprouts and i said well i do like brussels sprouts then my opinion disagrees with your opinion
3: no no we're entering a semantic sort of state here where our opinions don't disagree with each other like you because to say you disagree with me not liking Brussels sprouts is is you challenging whether I like Brussels sprouts, not whether Brussels sprouts are inherently worth liking. Oh, you know you what? The distinction if, if we there?
1: could if we could expand out these definitions, <laughs> we could revolutionize the political landscape of America. Because what you just said about opinions don't disagree with each other. I think that's that's staggering information for twenty nineteen. Actually, in this moment, I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not. <laughs> um, <laughs> this entire conversation, we're talking about whether or not you disagree about Brussels sprouts. Like, yes, no, no, no,
3: no, no. But the foundation we're trying to build here is mm. is having mm. an opinion itself a thing dis- to disagree with, or is simply the opinion a reflection of how you feel about a piece of whatever. I'm saying mm-hmm. I don't appreciate currently it, chapter two. You're saying you disagree with me. I'm
1: well. Like, okay. So so let me you, say it this way uh Having- shut up
3: <laughs> 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 yes
1: everyone so meet
3: uh. <laughs> penny lackey the dancing clown <laughs> no
1: i uh so so no i mean in all all facetiousness aside no i mean i i hold a different opinion there than you go yours yes, yes. um our opinions, feel- our
3: opinions are. Counter to each other,
1: we they are. Yeah. Where they would converge is, I do feel that it is not as strong a film as the first installment. Um, that that I think the degrees by which they are slightly inferior films would differ greatly in your assessment versus in mine. Um, but I do feel like it, you know, the first part is a is a stronger pound for pound film, um, and for a number of reasons that we'll you know we'll probably get into when we unpack it with the uh, with our friends. But yeah, I do feel like It Chapter 2 did not, you know, overcome the rabid affection that, you know, It Chapter 1 garnered. Uh, But I find myself a bit in the minority. A lot of people uh, were somewhat lukewarm with it, if not actively disliking it. Um, But I, I, I mean, I actively enjoyed it. I thought it was, I thought it was very much... Of a similar piece to the first one. Um, I don't want to get into too many specifics. For, yeah. You know, because the the show's coming. But, uh, but yeah, so so we'll have the opportunity well, I mean, to unpack all I, we, that. Well, I mean, you know,
3: right? I, sincerely, I don't care if we follow this rabbit trail for a second, but, like, your, at least how I perceived, your degree of enthusiasm via text, at least, actually did surprise me. Not because mm, mm. I thought, what an idiot. No, just because... <laughs>
1: Con- you think that about other things,
3: but <laughs> most things. No, um, <laughs> oh, um wow. I do think context matters. Uh, how I saw it may have affected somewhat, but mm-hmm. uh, I i mean, I don't know how affectionate you were towards this performer beforehand, but I mean, Hater is great, Hater is the standout. Oh, um, he's
1: wonderful, yeah.
3: I like what they do with his character. I may, I may be in the minority too? there. I don't know, but um, no,
1: no, I, I like it quite a bit.
3: Well, we may be in the minority there. I don't know, but um, I disagree with your liking. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I, I appreciated that that was something new added to the mix. Um, sure. I mean, again, I, I don't know. We can talk about it some more if you want. Like, uh, well,
1: I think the big, I think the big takeaway when we, you know, last year and. Or last year, last week, and this week, uh, I think the big takeaways are Nathan doesn't know how to watch movies because he watches oh movies goodness. in ways that don't. Like, I'm, I'm teasing you. Oh my oh, gosh! Oh. Listen, listeners don't know that we're not watching each other right now. Oh. Like we're actually just. just <laughs> I can't see your sarcastic face. Other. So, so you I just can't, see yeah, your, I, can't, I just
3: hear your stupid mouth. <laughs>
1: Just give me Godzilla. <laughs> so, um, I <laughs> of every film from now until the end of time. Just uh, give me Godzilla. You know, I mean, that
3: was fine, I guess, but needed more Holy Kaiju, Titans. more Titans. Holy well, God. I, I I am thankful both it films exist. I, I love that sure. they've oh, made sure. money, yeah. I think. I think this King Renaissance or King maybe it's not even renaissance if that means resurgence. Like I think his, his sort of popularity as a cultural contributor is just, you know, kind of entering the stratosphere right now. And so that's, that's exciting. It absolutely is exciting. I think the film it chapter two is a weak film with strong Mm -hmm. elements, but the film itself is pretty weak uh, for me. Gotcha. Um, Yeah. I gotcha. Regardless. Do you have any other thoughts on it? Chapter two?
1: Well, I, a multitude, but I think we should save well, right. them for our actual yes. episode. So, so, yeah, so stay tuned for that. It'll be in at least a couple of months, but uh, stay tuned for uh, an extended conversation about It Chapter 2 with some special guests. Um, but in the meantime, that is another installment of...
0: What
2: you watching? <laughs> <laughs> hey, what are you reading? What? What are uh, we singing again? Where
3: I, I liked it. To oh my! Oh my gosh! <laughs> this this episode had such promise. Like <laughs> before, like right after you finished your intro, it was uh-huh. like, "Oh wow, this is gonna be a great one." And now it's like, "Oh man, we gotta <laughs> dig out of this hole." <laughs> please, please, coming up for air. Coming
1: up for air. <laughs> <laughs> Invite your son back, please. This is this is going air. <laughs> Have him read off his cue cards, as he so clearly was. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think he did a great job. Oh, he was um, fantastic. Read. So we are bringing yes. it back. We don't. We don't have to do TV guideposts because you know we are in it. We are living it. Oh yeah, this is. We it. are is in it. the festering oh. wound of Windermere. Oh, Germany. what's?
1: Wait, what's that? Oh, we still get the music.
2: I love it so much. And I was like, "What is he
1: doing?" Wait, it's not. It's not done. Oh, okay. Don't 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 talk. Don't talk. Okay. Or we're talking. Oh, okay. Now, now we're good. Now. People have tuned out. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I feel like "constant listener" as a phrase was just coined two weeks ago. And we need to go ahead and retire it. Um,
1: <laughs> no, occasional tolerator. But <laughs> <laughs> so we are bringing home. Season one, of dark. Mm-hmm.
3: Netflix is dark. Discussing specifically episodes nine and, and ten. ten, the season as a whole, thematics, forecasts for what's coming next. Because, yes. as of this moment, Riri, we're caught up. Well, we're. Yes. I'm sorry, we are at. You know, we're we're on
1: the same sort of
3: spot. Like I yes, have no idea you... what's in season two.
1: Exactly, because you came into this run of season one having seen season one before. I had never seen it, um, and so yeah. It, so now we are we are on the same page. We have arrived at our same destination. However winding the Winden caves may have uh, been for us, this is uh, yeah. So now I will say out the gate, and I think you experienced the same thing. I actively did not look up any trivial information for this inf- for this episode because I did not want to accidentally stumble into spoilers for season two. So I don't have any trivial bits uh, just because I was like, if I start reading about stuff, even from season one or something then I'm going to accidentally read something about that connects to season two. And, and I just don't want to do that when we do phase two, I want to go in rather blind into season two uh, because I've, I've greatly, greatly enjoyed this experience. Um, So yeah. So, well, it's
3: funny. I don't have trivial bits per se, but I did Google interviews and then specifically Mm. check the dates so that nothing uh, was nothing uh, was post season two's release. And the rap or doc, was it? Or no. was <laughs> it. <Yeah. laughs> or maybe someone went back in time and doctored this review. <laughs> um uh therap.com, W R A P um, mm. had an interview with the two creators and there's nothing super um seismic about it, but they do highlight specifically from season one and this interview is from December of 2017.
1: Um, Ah, okay. They
3: highlight in season one, the intentionality and the significance of Meekles passing through the cave and subsequently Gretchen, the dogs passing through the cave with the, Mm, with mm. the intentional note. They at the now again, I have no idea what changed between December 2017 and now, um and if you follow the show nothing changed It all happened as it was supposed to but um the implications of this interview were there were active agents involved agent or agents plural in passing Meikle through the cave and the supposition was old Jonas mm. old Jonas to because Meikle's disappearance is the catalyst for everything in 2019 right, right. that he is the one who potentially abducts at at the least, if not, you know, kind of steers. with yeah, steers right, and right, or right. For, forcibly gets him there. Um and that also old old lady Claudia is who shepherds Gresham the dog from nineteen fifty uh, uh nineteen fifty three to twenty nineteen. Or I'm sorry, wow. to eighty six because 86, it is right, right, right. eighty six Claudia her discovery of Gretchen is what propels her into her whole journey. Yes,
1: yes. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. And I do. It's, so, what's interesting about it? I'm, I'm, I'm reluctant to give some of this away right now in the conversation. But, well, you know what? For the sake of just honesty and and just letting the conversation be what it is, I'll I'll share it right now. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna say right now. That my experience of watching this and thinking about the different theories, connecting the dots, following the puzzle pieces, uh, absorbing the clues, admiring the craft has been uh, a real treasure. I really, really have enjoyed this experience. That having been said, I actively dislike the way that it ends. Now, I I can... we we can get into some specifics about that if we want to kind of, if we want to. Let, me, of ask you, let me ask you, let me ask you, because
3: it's funny. I had no idea you were about to say that, but I was, okay. as I am prone to do, had the impulse to interrupt you, but I chose not to. <laughs> um, but are you referring to literally the ending as in Jonas shunting forward?
1: Yes. Okay. So that's, that's yes. the element that I'm, that, well, and, and there's. Be- because in true dark fashion, every decision for something is a decision against something else. There are other buttons that I would have perhaps felt more satisfied seeing on the end of that that still could have teased some other element, but I feel like it was the the Jonas pushing forward in time, which I find fascinating. And I should say that I am very relieved to know that not only does a season two exist, it is available to us to watch right. whenever we see fit. But had I watched season one of Dark and watched it back in 2017, I personally probably would have felt very unsatisfied with that conclusion. It's so funny that
3: that is your sort of experience because I had the exact same feeling the first time through.
0: Ah, Um, gotcha. I
3: remember, and once you know that that's where, where it goes, you're a lot softer to it, but I remember because I was so wrapped up in the narrative as it was existing Mm, that his mm. jump forward felt like an abandonment of a lot of what I actually liked and found interesting. Sure, Um, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's, that's really fascinating. That that was your sort of experience because here's something to think about. Um, presumably if any point of emergence for any traveler is a 33 cycle, what that kind of means Again, I don't. I know nothing about the content of season two, um, oh, right, right, or right, right, where right. it goes. But what that kind of means is Jonas in 19 shunts forward to what
1: 2052. Yes, um, the, the 33 years from 2019, you would presume that's 2052. What yeah. that
3: would then seem to mean. Because, spoiler alert, Reed was right two weeks ago. He was right last week, but he already knew. Um, uh, (laughs) Yes, uh, the hooded trench coat fella is the elder version of Jonas. But what that Mm -hmm. would then mean to me, and this is the first time this occurred to me, was this go-round. Is, think about the fact that it's teenage Jonas who ports from 19 to 53, or 52. Mm -hmm. Which means he theoretically lives... Until eighty five, two thousand eighty five, mm, because yeah, the no. the older version we have of him is an older version, not the teenage version recycled. Right. right. So I, I don't know. Yes. Again, I don't know what the implications of that are, but it was fascinating to me to ponder. Okay, because most it it stands to reason, and is very possible slash probable that two thousand fifty two teenage Jonas encounters elder versions of the people, the kids he knew.
1: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Versus,
3: and the, all I'm trying to say there is simply, it's not like 19 Jonas shunts to 52 and suddenly becomes trench coat Jonas. We know like that.
1: Right. Exactly. Doesn't happen. Yes. Anyway,
3: long winded way of saying I am with you. My first time through, I was more, it wasn't disappointment. It was, there was so much storytelling felt like left to be done that right. another branch was unexpected and uh unwelcome is a strong word but
1: definitely like uh, okay kind of right funny. well because because I do feel like uh, okay this is a bit of a side tangent I'm going to try to not uh, spend too long on it so in the way that uh franchise publications of books like series of books began to become well and I think still is Somewhat the norm where you get like the Hunger Games series and the Twilight series and these these books that like when they come out, the endings of the books purposefully kind of propel like, "Ooh, you've, you're going to have to wait for the next book and you're going to yep. have to pick up the next book. Yep. And in that sense, like I've never been a very big fan of that model of uh, sort of capsuled storytelling Because it feels so incomplete in and of itself. And what I'll say about this, you know, season one of Dark is that's perhaps my only, if not my only, it is definitely my biggest complaint is that I don't mind a cliffhanger ending. We're dealing with a TV series, especially like sitting here in my own version of 2019. I know that a season two exists. 2017 me would not have known a season two exists. Um, But, uh, you know, I don't, I can forgive it because I know that I will see more of the story but when that happens and it does not it's not as if they wrapped up most of the disparate plot threads they wrap up from very the little different, yeah. they yeah exactly they wrap up so little and then leave us with a tease that the expansiveness of this world is so much bigger and and you know granted now here's here's what's going to be fascinating to see like th- this right now we have season 2 of it Netflix has confirmed the renewal of Dark for Season 3 and confirmed that it will be, going into it, going into production, they know it will be the final season. So I'll be interested to see. I would imagine Season 2 is going to end on a similar version of a cliffhanger, and hopefully Season 3 will bring things to full fruition. And I think my issue is... It does not need to, because I I always go back and forth on this. Hey, everybody, Lost reference. I always go back and forth on this when I defend Lost, where I'm like, there's the type of ending where it remains unresolved and the type of ending where they resolved a thing, but you did not like what they focused on. You did not care for the way they chose to. Like in Lost when they're all
3: dead at the end.
1: (laughs) Well, yes. They were all dead the whole time, right? I mean, I can't. When I mean, uh, that's, that was so stupid. When people say that, I, know, I throw I know, up in my mouth know, a little know, bit know, because I'm like, you clearly are not paying attention. It's it's like but, as much as
3: I want to be Christ-like and not an elitist human being, those <laughs> those moments sorely test that ability.
1: Nothing makes me lose my salvation more than people hating on me. <laughs> hey, brother, you can't
3: you can't lose your salvation <laughs> but i know it i know what you're saying hyperbolically <laughs> so
1: but um so but honestly like so what frustrates me about the ending of season 1 of dark is yeah that it's not it's not that they choose to focus on something different it's that that they actively like they 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 end it on like the the gun was pointed at him he is knocked out and you are knocked out of the show right and and that and so like it is it is and and all of the people that were sitting or standing in certain places as this encroaching uh, dark sphere is being created in the sky and in the room, and the the portal opens up to connect, to, you know, Jonas with the fifty-three Helga, and and so like all of those things happen, we get zero on any of the aftermath of any of those characters, and instead, what we get is. Helga awakens, which you'd already seen, Helga awakens in 86, and Jonas awakens and exits the cave in presumably 2052. Um, so, yeah, well, it's, uh, but, it's what, a But, now,
3: your kind of take is appropriate for a first experience. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing where the show was going, paying closer attention to the breadcrumbs uh, one, from a purely just structural standpoint, I do, though I utterly, watch how this is going to work, agree with your opinion well, okay. that the initial take of the end of Dark One is was a letdown, I'm less in that camp now, if only because, one, the machinations, the methodical the methodical nature of the plotting of season one makes me one, just kind of trust. Okay. While this is a pivot, I was not craving. I'm sensitive right. enough to kind of give you the benefit of the doubt to see where you're wanting to take me.
1: Sure. sure. And I can, I can
3: get on board with that. Additionally. Now there may come a point where this tips too far over for me and my affection for the show begins to wane. This is really possible. What I stated a couple weeks ago about the compelling nature of ordinary individuals encountering extraordinary circumstance. Mm. There is, there could be a moment to come, again, I hope not, there could be a moment to come where your extraordinary circumstance just becomes giant mythology, tentpole storytelling, and thus the, the human aspect feels lost in that moment.
1: Sure, sure. So I'm sensitive that. to yeah.
3: that, but but it is worth noting that as the show even season 1 progresses, the wider this world gets, the wider this story goes. So it's clear kind of the Noah and Claudia stories are opposing poles, so that's going to be Yeah. I would yeah. I would think where we're headed, where I'm where I'm going to land this sort of yes and to your initial take of the end of season 1 is the bunker is mm. a significant geographical point for the series. And mm. Mm. in 53, it's it's a nothing hole in the ground. Uh, it's a structure, but it's just a hole in the ground. In 86, right, right. it's the electric chair, kids' wallpaper room. In right. 2019, it's once more kind of a decrepit structure. However, in 52... It is where Jonas wakes up at, and is the recurring imagery of the webbed photos. Ah, so uh, okay, it is worth noting how. And I'm with you. However strong a feeling it is when that happens, of okay, this is anomalous to where we've been. The series starts on the wall of the t- of the 52 bunker. Like Mm. the first shot of the first episode is the webbed photos. You have no idea because you have no context for it at the time. Right. Of the 52 bunker. So, at the very least, there are some threads there that substantiate where season one ends. Again, I am with you and, and agree that. My first take was exactly what you felt, which is, uh, I didn't want that.
1: Well, and so what gives me even further sort of hope. Now, again, this is this is a, a what would be deemed a critical assessment. I have actively avoided reading anything about anything of season two, uh-huh. with the one exception of I wanted to see. Uh, and and the reason for the research is that when we were debating about whether or not to dive in the show a yeah. uh, uh, sort of an element was well let's see how season 2 is being received so all i know without any specifics like no reviews nothing like that all i know is that percentage wise season 2 is being received even more positively oh, than really? season 1 was yes so that's cool. so again that's that and all i know of that is like you know rotten tomatoes percentage wise so take that for what you will but that does give me some hope that in their intentionality, which we observed getting here, this journey versus destination idea, um, that that carries over into hopefully what will be a, a more substantial and richer and even more rewarding mythology that they are willing and bold enough to, to dive into and unpack for us. So, so yeah, um, that was a, a long winded way of saying that I, no, I like really, it. Yeah. really enjoyed this, this, uh, journey, the destination, pausing at season 1 left me uh you know a bit ambiguous but it's it's encouraging both to hear that your uh rewatch gained esteem for even that ending and as we've said ad infinitum uh that there are there's a season 2 eminently approaching us that literally following our october series we'll be diving into season 2 which is exciting
3: um so let's let's dive into episode 9 which is called everything is now Um, Mm -hmm. I, this might be one of my favorite episodes of the series of the season. Oh, Uh, um, mainly because there's two, you, you didn't use this phrase, so I'm going to apply this phrase, but you, I think would, would echo this phrase and alluded to this concept a few weeks ago with reference to dark on the, um, on the episode where Vera was present with us about the clues in a mystery story you are comparing it to other oh yeah 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 mysteries shows what? so
1: i'll repeat that unless unless you have a different point to make i can repeat that point I, for
3: you cuz um i mean i'm going to go a place with it but feel free to reiterate if you want
1: so just if if listeners didn't listen to that or if they didn't catch that because they didn't see that film the point that i made is what i love about the show is some shows that have a big mystery at their center lead you from conclusion to conclusion, which is basically just that they'll tell, oh, this person was really behind it, and then there's a fake out, and the next week it's, oh, it's really this thing going on, and blah, blah, blah. Dark actively resists that impulse and instead leads you from clue to clue without much commentary on how you are supposed to feel about said clues, and I really appreciated that. Well, and my... Anyway.
3: Yes, and my sort of pithy articulation of that is show, don't tell, and I think this mm, yeah. series is fantastic at showing and not telling. And it's oh, exempl- it's exemplified in two scenes in this episode. I, so I want to identify these two scenes and we can talk about other aspects of the episode, but these two just stand out to me. Maybe one of my favorite moments of the entire first season, you know, which is all I've seen at this point. And, and last week when we talked about six, uh, about seven and eight, I was getting ahead of myself thinking this is what was coming. I, mm. I, from a film craft, from a storytelling, from a performance perspective, love the scene of Ulrich sitting by himself outside the bunker. Um, uh, I, I oh, just, yeah, it yeah. is so this, this broken and defeated, this shame faced, grizzled, bloodied guy just, sitting outside of this bunker that Helga is locked in thinking he has achieved his goal. Um, And when I talk about show, don't tell that moment. Like if, if someone walked through the room, this is, this is what I love about the show. If someone walked through the room and saw this really compelling, interesting character moment, it was like, what's what's going on here. The ability Mm -hmm. to unpack that moment is impossible like right right don't even bother don't don't ask me that you know like it's too much it is but it's so powerful because it's just showing you this character's experience of this moment not again this is my interpretation of your conclusion versus clue thing what was so problematic to me i agree with you about those copycat lost shows was you'd get to the end of an episode and it's like bum 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 we're telling you this thing is important and significant and look at this thing it's not letting me, the viewer kind of journey with the character into the implications of the reveal, which is what this show is really great at. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So that scene is really powerful to me. Um, Another scene, and then we can kind of thread out from there is I love the scene where it's Jonas and Martha in the rain. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, Similar to Ulrich Outside the Bunker. This is the quintessential cinema young lovers moment, right?
1: It's mm, yeah,
3: right. estranged but attracted to each other, lovely teenagers. It's in the rain. It's romantic. He's on his bike. She's there. They're. Oh, my God. They're yeah. apart, but they're supposed to be together in traditional sort of, you know, storytelling iconography. Um you, you, even as the viewer kind of want them to be together, but there is, but Jonas knows and she doesn't, and it is a totally broken relationship because of it. But just as a, as a constructed scene, it's right. All, it's, it's all this traditional Romeo, Juliet, star-crossed lover kind of thing. And right. and I right. I love that scene again. I know sure. it, it may feel like an odd one to highlight, but I just think it's such a powerful, like she, she is Trying to force information out of him that we even know as a viewer, like he can't tell her this, you know, like no, uh, it's, no it's, of course not. Oh my, it's gosh. a wild scene,
1: and that's what's so amazing about that. It's like you just you just made the statement in passing. He can't tell her this. What's so amazing about that is that not only would he be up against the the incredulity that people would not believe him, but also that like it would it could possibly do damage and harm to reveal the information it's it's just like it's fascinating this poor poor guy this oh my poor jonas, poor jonas is stuck in and and i love the scene i didn't even write it down it's just coming to me in the moment i cannot recall in the moment if it is in everything is now or if it's in the finale which is called alpha and omega where he's speaking to older nurse that's Ines, yeah, Ines. that's uh
3: that's alpha and omega is, but
1: yeah is it in alpha and omega okay but uh b- but I'll reference it here just cuz you know this is the full episode and everything but um when he's going off about so all of the different things that like you know I have another grandmother and she's the principal of my school you know and then he's talking about uh you know uh, that he kissed his aunt and everything like just Psychologically speaking, this poor kid—yeah, <laughs> like it's just—it's it, a lot to try to wrestle down for. Well, him. And, so I love, and I love. Well, and remember
3: you, too, what's so great about that? And yes, that is in ten, but and we can kind of go wherever we want. But what's so great about that scene is his one. It's it's powerful from the standpoint of you know you watch shows like this sometimes with high genre conventions and wonder about the reality implications of them yeah what i love in that moment is jonas is just naming the absurdity like this uh, is right unfathomable right. and yet <laughs> right. this the value of that moment is he's cha- he's charging her he's like you knew all this and yeah. why did you not yeah. stop Miko from going in the cave that's mm. that's what's really powerful about that scene to me um yeah but yeah so any what um what are some specific Notes from nine that stand out to you?
1: So I mean most of my most of my sort of observations along the way are just um you know just notating some specific scenes. I I have two major uh notes from episode nine. The first one is the the nine is the first time it pinged for me, if it isn't the first major time that they just revealed it. Just how much of a mastermind behind or I shouldn't say mastermind, how much of a catalyst. Claudia was to so many things that took place, um, like her setting Alexander slash Boris to build Mm -hmm. the underground bunker, Mm -hmm. um, her setting the time scientist is what i wrote down for him but the hg 10 house to actually building the time machine well, like she is so, yes old lady claudia yeah yeah, yeah. That it's old lady claudia but yes but the person of claudia right is is so much a catalyst to so many things that happened and so i i noted that and thought that was interesting because prior to that there was a character that i was just like huh what you know like she's just sure she's background at best until you realize like how much influence she's had. And then I just wrote down Hannah is a terrible person. Oh my gosh. She's, she's bordering on irredeemable narrative. You know, like not only does she accuse falsely Ulrich of one of the most devastating things a teenage boy could be accused of, but then she falsely implicates Regina as his accuser, as his false accuser. Then in 2019, she lies to Katerina about the nature of the that beginning sucks. of and the ending of her affair with Ulrich, and then on top of that, then blackmails Alexander slash Boris. I'll, you know the sure. reason I keep yeah, calling yeah. him that is because you know he had he had assumed a different identity, but she blackmails him to "quote unquote" destroy Ulrich. I mean, she's, she's awful. I know she's Jonas's mother, but other than that, like, I got nothing for her. Like, <laughs> like, like her character can suffer a horrible fate at this point. Like, maybe, and, uh, you know, lesser, you know, less smart shows have done it successfully. It's possible for them to add some substance to some of these impulses or some of this reasoning. But as it stands at the moment, I'm like, she's terrible. She's got to go. Like, she's like, yeah, she's awful. She's That's, awful, awful. You anyway. may recall
3: what happened when this happened.
1: Well, when it when she when first falsely accused him, yeah, yeah. I, I told you, yeah.
3: I was like, yeah, you know, when you can't be on Team Hannah anymore, like, it's just yeah. too, it's too mm-hmm. much.
1: She's awful because at least we mentioned last episode about Ulrich doing what he does to Helga, as much goodwill as bottoms out from me for him in that moment. You you know took me a pretty far piece of defending the show successfully in like substantiating that decision. These decisions Hannah is yeah. making are like, "Good Lord, you're just awful, aren't you? You're just awful and selfish and and just do not care whose lives you destroy along the way for your own ends and and gains and it's just oh yeah it's she's awful, awful person
3: yes, yeah she and you know again who knows what season 2 holds I, I would assume time jumping commences i would i would assume and actually oh, would to, yeah. i would hope that we aren't done with the 2019 characters oh my um
1: can you can you imagine if, the, if season two just all takes place in the future like no time travel i mean that's not that can't be the case but i'm just like oh my gosh like what's it, really it great really is the potential away
3: yeah what's, what's really great is the potential of listeners that have already watched season two they are like you guys are dummies you have no idea it does all take place in 52 it's literally just jonas wandering the desiccated apocalyptic wasteland looking for food <laughs>
1: The the creator saw the film quite on and was like, I want that. Oh so gosh, I'm going ch- <laughs> to, I'm just going to do that. Um, oh man, that's funny.
3: A couple of random notes I love. So there's the scene 53 of priest Noah, um, consoling Helga's mother.
1: Uh, mm-hmm.
3: And I just love the malevolent score playing over that scene. Like the show writ large is pretty subtle. But mm, I love, yeah. I love that moment of like, Nah, man, he's a bad guy. He's he's a bad. He's <laughs> a
1: bad guy. If you didn't know, this, this is awful. Watcher. He's a bad guy.
3: You know, like, yeah, like yes,
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, and th- I believe it's in everything is now like his convincing of Hellgirl, like yeah. when his his ultimate plan, like when he's expressing it in the bus- bunker, like it is so fatalistic and anarchistic, and it is just and. What does he say? Like life is a spiral of pain, and he believes he's vi- building this sort of temporal version of an ark, which is why he calls himself Noah. Yeah. So, but it's just yeah. I mean, he, he's he's bad character. He's yeah. Bad. His
3: what I wrote down of it is: there is no God, there is no plan, there's nothing but pain and chaos. The world is mm. the world mm. is doomed to be destroyed. He indicates the chair and says, "This is our task. This is our ark, and I'm Noah. This is our yeah, ark. Yeah. yeah. Oh um, man." One of my favorite sort of just like brain busting moments is is in 1953. There's a there's a smash cut, kind of a juxtaposed edit, similar to last week when we when I mentioned the rain in Spain that stays mainly on the plane. <laughs> 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 no, but the rain in uh,
1: 19
3: Henry at the same time as 86. Well, there's a parallel cut between between the years 86 and 53, but those parallel cuts are 1953 Egon chasing 2019 Ulrich through the woods while at the same time 1986 Egon is incarcerating teenage Ulrich for a crime he didn't commit. Like I love that. It's
1: so fantastic. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, it's really awesome. And that is something that I find very uh, impressive about the show as a whole is the way in which it's able to make connections that um, uh, amazingly don't feel forced. Right. Like it's, it's clearly a bit, if I'm if, if, being very blunt, the, the cinematic and narrative storytelling is manipulative. It's, it's leading you to certain places, but I love how unforced it all feels. It all feels very natural. This is just the natural stream and flow of things that have led us to History circling in on itself and these certain repetitions, or history repeating itself sometimes literally um that I just I think is is really, really fascinating, but I mean think sometimes about with it opposite you, results yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah, similar results yeah you
3: you commented on old lady Claudia going to fifty three ten house, like think about when you started the show and watching mm-hmm. that first episode, and your brain's trying to kind of tune in the fact that within 8 episodes this series would take uh and I think it's in maybe 5 maybe maybe 5 and 6 where uh future where elder jonas takes the device to uh old man tenhouse
1: yes uh that's in the uh, yeah that's in 86 I think it's in eighty six. right but
3: I'm saying episode wise I think it's like 5 or 6 but oh, gotcha, gotcha. but think about this when you start that show you meet Ulrich, the Nielsen family. The mm-hmm. fact that in eight episodes, that character's arc is going to take him to 1953, where his cell phone is, his smartphone from 2019 is going to be the instigating technological agent to create a time machine yeah, that, that yeah. bounces these characters throughout the genre. I mean, it's, it's bonkers. It's so yeah, crazy. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty yeah, cool. It's
1: pretty crazy. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, That was all I had on Everything Is Now. Well,
3: we got to shout out
1: old Patchy, right? (laughs) Yeah, Patchy. He finally gets some play. He
3: finally gets a purpose. Patchy's back. Patchy gets a purpose. That's the name of this episode nine. (laughs) Uh, He finally has a a role, however sort of nefarious it is. That sucks. Yeah, yeah, Mm, it does. But, yeah, I think that's about it. We talked about Bad Hannah. We talked about Ulrich. I think yeah. he's killed. All right,
1: fine. We can go to 10. So here we are in Alpha and Omega, and you you patted me on the back for it earlier. I'm going to preen for a moment. I took a gamble. Preen. Get up. Walk around. I was. I was oh, I am. I can't <laughs> see it, but I, I am pacing my room right now wearing a very large uh gold encrusted bathrobe no nah, i'm just kidding. so um <laughs> woo! but um but <laughs> <woo>! <laughs> i'm not gonna do it i'm not gonna do it i want to but i'm not gonna do it i think you just so, sort of uh, wow you know what brother okay so um
0: <laughs>
1: so um i totally i took i was the moment on the pod uh like when with uh, I believe it was with a girl walks home alone at night the war, the moment on that pod where I was like I'm calling it right now Jonas is the trench coat man I was sitting there like man I'm gonna feel so dumb <laughs> 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 I was, there, was like I was so confident about it but and it really was impulsed by I had previously, I don't know if you remember this element to it but I had previously guessed that the body they found with all the 80s gear on it, so I was like, smart. that's man. well see, it's actually somewhat rare, I am a good man no, I'm just <laughs> kidding <laughs> that felt weird to say, so um, but it's actually somewhat rare for me to be that intuitive about narratives that are this dense I mean, there have been tons of things, like in films that people have said like, oh, you know I spotted this twist from a mile away and I'm sitting there like, wow, I did not see that coming at all. Like a a recent one, spoiler alert ahead for if you've not seen M. Night Shyamalan's The Visit, an alarming number of people said that they intuited the twist in, well I won't even say it, the twist in that film, but that twist was a big surprise to me. I never saw that coming. So the fact that I've not only guessed Mads, but that I guessed correctly about Jonas, uh, I'm just like, wow, this is something of a rarity for me to be on, you know, this adept at putting those puzzle pieces together. But uh, when they were doing, the reason I'm bringing that up right now is because when they were talking about, like, Helga being in the, like, being seen in multiple places, because if listeners haven't picked up on it or if if viewers didn't catch it, Helga is the one who is responsible for abducting these children. Like, he's doing it at Noah's behest, but Helga, the old man, the power plant worker, the young boy who was nearly beat to death by Ulrich, um, it, it, he is the one who is abducting these children. What he believes is that he is doing it for a, this higher, broader, intentional purpose, because he's been deceived by Noah for whatever means and ends Noah has intended so when they were talking about how they had seen Helga in all these different places I was like are they trying to say Helga's the trench coat man man I feel so dumb I, uh, <laughs> I thought it was Jonas and then so then when the you know older Jonas is talking to younger Jonas I'm sitting there I had nobody to tell I was just I was <laughs> s- the room, standing Reed, the I was I was
2: just standing there
1: like standing up from my couch watching I was like I knew it
2: <laughs> I knew it brother i got your number i knew you i knew you from the very beginning you were doing i knew who you were you came in there trying to hide but i got you i got you right there let me
3: (laughs) So, what's amazing about that moment that just happened is (laughs) you know we record these in pairs and i've had some fireball whiskey and i'm like is he still going is this just me But it was you were still going. That was beautiful and brilliant. I'm glad to know you.
1: It's awesome. Uh, I love you too. Well, I'm glad
3: you you had the sort of foresight to call Jonas. Although, I mean, I guess, I guess you know, it matters that he's declaring it in that scene. But I mean, that's a that's a great scene.
1: Um, Oh my gosh! Yeah, (sighs) because yeah, because younger Jonas, you know, 2019 version Jonas is is trapped in this bunker we keep referencing that Noah has, that well, that Alexander has built and that Noah is purposing, you know, by manipulating Helga into kidnapping people. And, and that was one thing, like, we talk about the threads that it doesn't answer. Like, I have no idea what that chair does except for apparently scorch the the eye rim of its victims and, and uh, like, I don't know what its intention or, or purpose is. Um, they completely the first boy that gets abducted or that's missing that we know about is Eric and like he doesn't show up again at all like I don't know what happened to him so um, but I know he just got he got like deposited in
3: 1920 and he's just like roaming the streets just like (laughs) trying to figure out what's up you know
0: he's like what happened I don't (laughs) know (laughs) <laughs> he's walking around like
3: uh, season 3 of Dark is literally just the adventures of Eric you know in in nineteen <laughs> in 1920 Winden. but there's no oh gosh, there's no city funny. there yet so it's just oh gosh, woods
1: Um. so yeah I uh, <laughs> but getting back to that scene that wonderful scene where Jonas reveals it is like yeah so 2019 Jonas is stuck in that bunker while the version he now realizes is his older self is and it's it, you know the things that will trip your mind out, like older version of him gave the letter right to him that he later burned, but then he receives it for the first time from Ennis. And it's just oh my gosh, it's yeah, stuff like that. I do love, well, there's, I don't think I've go ahead. go ahead, you, you, no, no, no uh, there's
3: you know, to your
1: point about what does the chair
3: do, and I don't have an answer. And and, and it's back the interview I referenced earlier from the wrap. Uh, makes note that there are things that just aren't answerable at the moment, if at all, ever. But there's something significant about 86 specifically, you know, like the way they intentionally designed the bunker in that year. And I do think whatever significance is there is tied to the fact that it is old Jonas that sets off the device under it. Like, I do think those are correlative elements. I just, I I, I don't have the brain to understand what it is
1: and maybe they haven't given us the puzzle pieces to really be able to intuit it like maybe we'd have to you know we'd have to know more than they've shown us to really uh to really put it all together one of the things and this is what I was going to say a second ago one of the things i love about time travel stories is um i do love the way that clever and well crafted ones like dark can play on this whole whatever happened, happened idea, you know, like the notion of, you know, moving puzzle pieces or or little things that find their way to a person in the past, which is how they wound up in this space in the future that that prompted this other event and everything. I love following to your point. It's fun.
3: One of my favorite, it's, it's not a favorite character moment, but it's a favorite just kind of mythology moment is when two thousand nineteen Charlotte, the police chief, is studying the microfish and stumbles on all smug shot from nineteen fifty three. That's amazing. I love that
1: moment. I I wrote that moment down in all caps. That's so it's, awesome. It is one of the that is it's phenomenal because she and what's brilliant about it, her character finding it is brilliant. Because who would have who would have located that before and even if somebody right. You right. know, saw that image in the microfiche before, w- if they happened to know Ulrich, would have thought the same thing that any of us right now would think, seeing... A picture of somebody that resembled a friend of ours on google search or something we would think oh that looks a lot like so-and-so right and then we'd move on with our lives you know but like the fact that charlotte is finding it because of some of these hunches she's beginning to put together that's an amazing moment that's wonderful it's, it's, it's fantastic
3: well and also further kind of what i referenced a couple of weeks ago at this point but about the surprise i experienced at the notion of Mikael staying in 86 same idea here it's yeah, like yeah um the implications of her discovering that photo are pretty pretty dire for 2019 ulrich you know like yeah yeah I mean, it I,
1: would not surprise me if he uh, if his fate basically now, I I don't know, because right. I haven't seen the show, but it would not surprise me if his fate ultimately sort of ended in that timeline, in that thread, uh, and if that's if that's where he dies, or if that's just where he right. ends his, his story. Yeah, it would not surprise me at all.
3: This is a super random technical note, but Jonas's last name is Conwald, you know? Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the cops with Egon Tiedemann in 1953's last name is Conwald. It's a total throwaway moment, but they reference one of the other cops as Conwald. And it's funny because when, it ha- when it happened, I was like, that name is pinging for me. And it's when Elder Jonas tells young Jonas' name. I was like, that's it. Um, uh, let's see here.
1: Can I mention a, yeah, a, just please. a passing sort of, uh, I just, it, it's a shot. I love the opening shot of the final episode where the rift actually opens up and Peter sees it. That 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 like scene just, is
3: great. Yes. Yes,
1: yes, just the moment cuz it's at, like there's it it starts as this kind of explosive thread in the in the air that then expands out to uh drop the body of Mads like down into that bunker area, but the the special effect on it is in a show that is really has barely any special effects at all until the final episode that is a that was a great very effective effect.
3: Well, and to me the the power of that scene is what I would would tout as one of the major strengths of season 1, which is again characters operating in their normal broken lives encountering phenomena beyond their comprehension like that scene. It's intentionally prefaced by the on-screen note the day of michael's disappearance or 8 hours mm, something mm. like 8 hours after michael's disappearance or something yeah, but um yeah. the day of yeah that's it and poor peter has just gone and been tempted by his his former you know side hobby and resisted it but gone to the bunker to kind of self-flagellate and quotes the serenity prayer it's this really kind of heartbreaking moment and then Mm, mm. and then the shot the camera shot is of his face and the room lights
1: up and you see his eyes widen that's a great scene gosh yeah it's a really wonderful scene there's a lot of great individual moments in this finale um yeah it's one of my favorite (sighs) one of my favorite is 86
3: old man helga confronting i'm sorry Two thousand nineteen old man Helga confronting eighty six Helga. That's a great yes. great well, moment.
1: Oh. And and it's one because like he hugs him uh-huh. and he's trying to convince him to stop you and have then, to like, stop. It, Noah isn't then,
3: saving the world from evil, he is oh, evil. Oh.
1: And then of course culminating in him actively crashing into a younger version of himself. And then that's where, you know, he as a as a being dies there uh-huh. in 1986, like wow. dies right yeah. there in that car crash. And so, you know, th- these are some of the things that Dark just sort of makes my head hurt, but in a very exciting <laughs> right, way. Right. Like, of things like, you know, we know by implication that because Mikael stayed in 1986 and grew up and became Michael and became Jonas's father, that they that the 2019 people will never find Mikael. We know that because right. they, they wow. will ne- yeah, that yeah, yeah. search will never end. Uh, so now, uh, 2019, people are uh, sort of searching for Helga, who has frequently gone wandering, and they've found him before in the woods and everything, but they will never find him because he went back to 1986 and died in a car wow. crash trying to stop himself. You know, And so like, when you start thinking about those kind of things, again, it makes your head hurt, but in a way that's narratively very exciting yes. and very compelling. Um, but those are the kinds of things that I was sort of tracking of like, okay, well, if this person suffered this fate in this time frame, then their if you want to call them their home base time, like where they belong, if you will, they will forever they be lost a to it, yeah, yeah, and it's just that 's fascinating
3: well me. and i've I have threads of theme, but nothing written down that 's robust and i'm i'm sure we'll pull some stuff out, but I did watch sure. my, my kind of last major notes of episode 10 are more kind of ponderances for the future like kind of trying to mm. so, so, so I don't know I don't know if you have any real specifics you want to revisit of 10
1: Uh not nothing nothing specific no the only other note that I have would be something to spark a thematic conversation Um well then two
3: kind of major takeaways one if we were doing scares which I'm not inviting us to do but I really was even this time around jumped when 19 Jonas is in the hospital room of 86 Meikle and Noah is sitting there and puts his finger over his lips to hush and Oh my gosh. I've Helga make, jumps yeah. in from behind. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. that made me jump. But one is, this is very lost and. Um, Noah to Bartosz in 2019 says there are two groups fighting to control time travel, light and shadow. It made me think of John Locke. There's two sides of every whatever yeah. light and there's
1: dark. A, yeah. There's a lot of echoes. There is a lot of
3: lost echoes in this. Yeah. Um mm. But noticeably Noah casts Claudia as as the antagonist here. Um yep. mm. so one, that sort of a thread we can follow if we want in terms of like what's to come. So I'm kind of opening the door of do you have any speculations about what's to come? But the other thing to tandem with that is I, I worry now, unless some big redemption sort of thing happens and redemption is kind of the wrong word, but unless some course correction happens to borrow, um, uh, Mm. Desmond, David Hume's language. Um, I don't know that Jonas is the hero. We want him to be because as powerful as, I don't mean he's, He's got malevolent intent. That's not what I mean. Right. But right. on the one hand, I love when teenage Jonas, he bids farewell to his mother. She doesn't know that, but that's what he's doing. And then he yeah, goes to 86 yeah. and he's so resolved when he talks to 86 Charlotte with the birds in the forest. Yep. And she says, he says, what day is it? What year? Um, she asked him, why are you here? And do you remember what he says? No, I don't. Well, he says to bring someone back from the dead. Now, he is going back ostensibly to kind of re, re, uh, reclaim Meikle. We know that doesn't happen because he gets sidelined by Helga and gets then ported ultimately to 52.
0: Right. Where I'm going right, with this, right,
3: right. though, is the resolve. I'm worried, again, I have no idea what's next, I'm worried that Jonas's perceived personal mission is a wrong one if that makes oh, any sense whatsoever. Oh, Cause remember yeah, 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 Noah yeah. kind of seems to invite the fact that Jonas sets off the device in 86. Like the,
1: right. That right, seems yes. to be this
3: inciting incident for it's, it's the incident from season five from Jughead. Right. Um, well, see, yeah. yeah oh my
1: gosh. There's so, no, well no, that's There's so much <laughs> of it. This notion. I, I thought a lot about, the for those who haven't seen Lost or haven't watched it, then this is not going to mean anything to them. But I thought a lot about the Jughead plotline and right. this whole notion of Jonas's mission to explode or destroy the rift, and according to Noah, that is what ultimately the paradox is: that in his efforts to destroy it, he actually created it. Right, and uh, and so uh, a, a couple of things. First thing that I think we can intuit is that. Mostly because of that ominous musical score you referenced earlier, kind of signaling, you know, Noah's a bad guy. You know? <laughs> um, not to mention the fact that they do kind of frame him as a somewhat ma- malevolent uh, individual in virtually every, sure. yeah, like, yeah. you know, what good guy you know invites <laughs> Has teen that boy, kind of back tattoo Yeah, <laughs> well, that that back tattoo, but then also invites you know, teen Bartosh into his limo in a alley at night, you know, like that, that's thats not the setting of a benevolent. Let's give him
3: the benefit of the doubt.
1: <laughs> so, um, so I think you can intuit that the show is leading you to believe like he's not an upright individual. And so if there, if there really is this theme of light and shadow at play, very much like the Jacob man in black thing from, from lost then you can intuit that Noah is being, is kind of positing himself as the figure of light, but because we have seen so many other things, plus he's, uh, one thing that can definitively be said is he clearly finds children disposable, like sure. for whatever end or purpose. So you can then intuit that perhaps Claudia, who admittedly the show has not given us a ton of information about, right? but but Claudia and her efforts could then be intuited to at least be efforts of benevolence, if not actively her being the good guy that like she's at least trying to combat. No, that's okay. She's at least trying to combat those other things. Go ahead.
3: All I was going to say is it is interesting. And this is just coming to me as you're saying that to note that however mysterious old lady Claudia's motivations are, we see her formation um, oh, you know, as right, a right. child in 53, as the administrator and or, like, I guess, I don't mean administrator in a negative light, but as in like the head of the nuclear plant in oh,
1: 86, sure, 86, sure. 86
3: being when she discovers Gretchen as this propulsive moment, as opposed to Noah, whose origins were still pretty shady. You know, we we don't know.
1: Right, right. So
3: it is, inter- you know, I, I guess all I'm saying is from a purely <laughs> which one of these is the bad guy? We at least have, <laughs> right, right. we don't have all the information on Claudia, but we have a good bit to sort of divine certain
1: overarching intentions from. Right, right. And uh, and so I think the other thing that I find just immensely fascinating is obviously the the paradox of time travel movies. Have you ever, okay, so... This is this is a very random insertion and I'm not going to say much about it if the answer is no. Have you seen the film starring Ethan Hawke called Predestination? Nope. Have you seen that film? Okay. All right. Then I'm then I'm not going to say too much about it except that But I um, which, do like Ethan Hawke. Oh, there you go. Um except for what could be intuited from a trailer or a brief paragraph description on uh you know under the film title um it does involve uh, travels through time of a piece and involves similar paradoxes of, wait a second, well, if time travel was not possible, then this would never have existed. So what's the first, you know, what's the prime mover of this sequence of events? (laughs) Because, you know, the sequence of events kind of depend on somebody going back in time to initiating a thing. And there are so many of those in this. Jonas creating supposedly the time rift or the black hole that he's trying to destroy. Um, The uh, 10 house seeing the uh, device in the past from the future therefore creating the device <laughs> yeah, that would then crazy. be shown to him you know like so right. many of those different things that that are fascinating to think about from the context of just as a science fiction fan sure it's, it's wonderful to
3: well of. and and also compound onto that elder jonas bringing a defunct version of the machine that 10 in 86 has perfected yeah. you know i was like okay <laughs>
1: yeah yeah, it's uh it's it's pretty trippy. And I think that as a as a potential thematic note I am okay, so I'm not going I'm not trying actively to pivot from the, you know, philosophical or ideological into the very personal. Uh in fact, I don't know how personal I'm about to be, but something that I think about as an individual very, very often are these these notions, and again, we've been doing this thing for three years now, so I don't know, if I may have already said all of the things that, that hit my mind frequently at some point on some episode or not, but I think about often the, the idea of when someone makes a statement, they say, well, I had to go through what I went through or I had to do what I did because that brought me here or that made me who I am. Do you understand what I mean when I say that general notion? So somebody will look back on a thing, sometimes a regrettable decision, sometimes a a traumatic occurrence or something happened and be like, well, I had to go through that to go to this. And I explore that notion in my imagination frequently um, because I have complicated feelings about that. Uh, one of one, When I say I have complicated feelings about it, I have a multitude of differing and sometimes opposing feelings about it. One of my feelings about it is the notion of like, well, I don't know that you have to, if you're talking about a choice that you made, I don't know that you have to make a bad choice to mature. I don't know that you have to make a, you know, a wrong choice. You just did and thankfully were able to mature from it. I think you know, in terms of trauma that happens, I I have some real challenges to the notion of like, well, that trauma and, and you hear this a lot in certain religious circles where they talk about like, well, that, that horrible painful thing had to happen because then that produced this other right you know, good thing that came down the line and I have some I have some real uh complicated feelings about that idea ideology and, and even theology. Sure. You know, so so when I think about these kind of things, and I think about the intentions of the characters in *Dark*, and they're going, and and so many characters, uh, well. There may have only been like three or four that said it several times, but I heard several times through the show like this had to happen. This is this happened for a reason. This is there's intention and purpose behind this. And at the same time, mostly from the character of Tanhouse, you're getting these broad philosophical sure, yeah. extrapolations too about like, did we come from God? Did we evolve from something? Like there's a lot, there's a lot of religious language in the in mm-hmm. the show that, that surprised me. They don't it doesn't go anywhere in terms of a a treatise or a, or a, a hypothesis, but there's a lot of just passing explorations of religious and spiritual th- uh, thought processes. And so, I, I, what this got me thinking about is this notion of I look back at things with my life in, in my life with regret, choices I made, choices I didn't make. I'm gonna. I, I I said last episode that this was gonna come up a lot, like the the hinge for me in my thoughts around the show there are so many great moments there are so many wonderful lines when I think about this show in the context of only having seen season one my thoughts revolve around Jonas slash trench coat man saying every decision for something is a decision mm. against something else mm-hmm. so so it's my a very convicting thematic- sentence it is, and and it's something that really arrests. Despite my feelings about its ending, like if nothing else, which there's a lot more else, but if nothing else, I walk away with that, going just dang, that is a challenging. That's a, that's a statement worth sitting with and meditating on and pondering. the the power of choice that we so frequently dismiss even if we would give it a cursory platitude with our language like the power of a choice for something is a choice against something else a choice for how you spend your time for who you choose to spend your time with for what you choose to do with that time and in, in you know getting very close to Gandalf's words but you know like all of these choices that we would make for something we we've may have uh, our fingers on the pulse of the choice that we are the choice against something. But I feel like most of the time we're just not that cognizant of it. And so then we get further down the line of our lives or our, you know, our journeys and we look back and ponder certain choices. And, um, and I don't know, it's like, it, it's easy to think about when I say it's easy, it, it's, it, most of us have a tendency to think about that in terms of what I mentioned when I started this rant of, well, I had to do that or that led me here or whatever, and uh, then there are things I look back on in my life, and I'm like, I I would change that. Like, I don't want to end up any different than I am. Like, (laughs) you know, like I don't want to... I don't want to end up in a, in a dramatically different station of my life. But there are things that I look back on and like, are you kidding? Of course I would change that. Well, but I think,
3: I think it's important to note and, and this is a response in the immediate, but I do want to piggyback on some of what you're saying. Your comment right now makes me think of you referenced her last week, but Brene Brown's sort of notes about owning all the things
1: um, mm, that have, that have happened to you. mm, And, and so I think
3: it's important to note, I would agree with you, (laughs) Um, that it is probably a toxic sort of ideology or perspective to say, well, that thing, that trauma had to occur in order for X. I think there's a big difference though, between that trauma had to occur and that trauma occurred and I have chosen Mm. to own it this way and have it produce this result in my life. And that's a very, that's a very different sort of perspective. Um, but you know, to your point, it's not so much about erasing regret. It's about saying these things all happened to me and there, Mm -hmm. there are some awesome Mm -hmm. ones. There's some really awful ones. Um, and wholeness of self and moving forward in that wholeness requires as much as we don't want it to, uh, kind of owning all of that.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, I agree.
3: It's interesting. Do you have, like, I'm, I'm taking what, you're where you're at and kind of running with it. Do you have sure, sure. others that you want to address?
1: No, no. I want to, uh, if we, I'd like to just sort of camp on that for a minute, or if you have some other things you'd like to introduce, I, I sort of said my piece so the, about that.
3: Yeah. There's, there's two kind of major ideas. One that, that, you know, kind of a uh, couple well with what you're describing. And that's the rewatching the series made me think a little bit of the film hereditary, not so much because they're similar tonally, but because, as my personal faith has widened as my personal theology has broadened, I need the reminding sometimes of a thing that I think is integral to a right spirit, if you will, a right faith. And that's, we don't exist in a vacuum. Um, and like in hereditary, I think what's fascinating about the first season of dark is what starts or what feels like it starts as this very isolated tale of a family mm. or two becomes this, and not becomes, but always was, right? Like Right, right. The show doesn't suddenly morph into intergenerational, chronological jumping. Those things were always present. We just weren't right. privy to them, you know, and, and I think it's important to be cognizant of this notion that how this could teeter into political, and I don't really want it to or mean it to, but Mm. we want so badly sometimes, especially in our, the country we live in and which is an ironic way to walk up to this, considering the series we're in of the notion of independence and, you know, individualism Um, individual effort and choice yielding personal gain and success that is very toxic, ultimately. I mean, it really Mm. is. And versus what is a much more... Now, Dark presents it in a sci-fi genre perspective, but we as people of a Jesus mentality should adopt is it's not individualism. It is interdependence. It is it is not thinking, well, I am me, I am Nathan, I'm right here in twenty nineteen. I'm a dad of three and you know I'm gonna make my I'm gonna, you know, kind of make my mark, and I'm gonna make my way and I'm gonna earn my success and it's gonna be by the fruit of my own labors. Mm. And you know, none of y'all are a part of that. Like the 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 story of dark is mm, <laughs> be careful how right how right. independent you think you are. Because Mm -hmm. you are the, it's kind of like saying, well, all of these things force me to be a certain way versus all of these things, these things meaning generations behind you. Let's get a bit wild in our talk here. The generations ahead of you. Um, All of these personae contribute to the formation of who you are it's the, the cloud of witnesses right i mean we yeah, are not of yeah. we are not independent agents and for good and bad like like we can be the result of mm, sinister is the wrong word but we can be unwittingly uh, acting out of forces that are not for our good Right. At the same time that we are the mm. vanguard of forces that will good into the world. Mm. I don't know if that mm-hmm. makes any sense at all. but
1: Oh, it does. Um,
3: I don't know. I just think the season of this show particularly really speaks in that regard, which is why maybe I keep being fascinated by this notion of just individual normal humans caught up in a wide, grand, cosmic story. Now, the show's called Dark, and it does have, you know, (laughs) kind of aspects of sort of, malevolence is the wrong word, but, you know, just kind of not totally healthy sort of expressions to it. But, interestingly, what I wrote down in the final moments of the season was when Elder Jonas is tripping the device in eighty six. I think it's this amazing moment where you see every generation we've encountered experiencing it, right? Do you remember this? Mm, yes, yes, yes. And and what I wrote is The Crucifixion, which is, I don't know if, how much mm. Campolo you've read. It's been years since oh, I've, I've read. I've read Speaking read My Campolo. Mind. Yeah, I, it's yep. been years since I've read him specifically, but I do remember echoes of some of his teaching, and I remember a phrase of his of the eternal present, and mm. that the crucifixion itself was this, catalyzing agent of cosmic proportion and and again the show dark is not necessarily interested in these particular versions of things but that moment where this one character has this one action that reverberates across the time and space spectrum you know right is really power is really powerful Um, well and i want
1: to i want to yeah with my apologies for interrupting you i want to like that, that, what you're referencing from Campolo, I couldn't quote it, but I remember being so riveted by it, almost a science fiction y thought yeah. that he had in that book, where he was talking about when you realize the implications of like quantum theory and mm. like the idea of, of time in the context of quantum mechanics and, and everything that basically skipping to the punchline without getting hyper nerdy about it because I wouldn't even be able to recall all the specifics about it. He basically said like Christ is on the cross right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, he's like yeah. he's present on the and so when you talk about this the reverberation it's like you you, you can think in linear terms where you're like well 2000 years ago Christ did this cosmic thing. We believers believe that changed the world forever but then when you think about that notion of the eternal present that's a very it's a very different implication to and this is the kind of stuff that I love thinking about when we get into this is where science fiction meets theology and mm. i that's the that is if there was ever an intersection <laughs> made for uh for my uh dancing around in it's it's that one or the intersection of you know horror and and faith but this notion of like yes that this This very moment, while you and I are having this conversation, and this very moment where, after it broadcasts, listeners are listening to this conversation, sure, in this moment, uh, Christ is present on the cross christ the the in this moment, the tomb is empty in this moment, like all of these different sort of implications that reverberate throughout cosmology to the believer of and and it is it you're talking about this moment in dark where everybody is experiencing it in their particular unique way and everybody is seeing this thing happen but uh and and it looks similar to everybody but it's not the same for everybody right and uh and, and it is there's a power to that notion that i find deeply compelling and that I I feel like it's it's worth us recognizing because we feel so when we think of 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 time and that we we brought this up when we did our TV guidepost episode about the haunting of Hill House and we brought up Nell's confetti speech you know that it's yeah. like when we think of time as behind us and it's gone and uh, did you, know, you just think I'm, of, I'm I'm
3: I'm going to be real rude right now Did you just say everyone sees it differently but experiences the same way
1: what did you say uh and the uh, or yeah like everybody sees it slightly differently like that moment in dark when everybody everybody's experiencing the but, drift simultaneously
3: all right yeah i'm gonna i'm totally hijacking where you're going i'm apologizing but okay. I'm building on where you're at which is say it again everybody sees it differently the, Every, but,
1: everybody experiencing, experiences it slightly differently, but it's 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 also kind of the same. Like this it's is, different, but same.
3: I've got too much fireball in me, and we talked about it <laughs> quite on in the same <laughs> night for me to wrestle this down in a coherent fashion, but here we go. Everyone experiences it differently, but read it as the same phenomenon. Right. And right. Yeah. follow this, this sort of, I keep harping on him, this universal Christ idea. If Christ is reflected in all things, it is the same phenomena that we just experience mm, differently. Mm, mm-hmm. And which is a really, it it is as equally powerful of an idea as it is liberating of an idea. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like yeah, it does not, yeah. what do you see? Uh, well, I see this thing. It doesn't quite sound like what, quote-unquote, evangelical America, or whatever. I don't mean that derisively per se, other than just a a particular rigid box. Like, well, is it life-giving? Yes. That is probably Christ. Mm. Right? Mm. Like, that's amazing to ponder and consider. And, you know, you just noted the metaphysics of theology. Like, that's a really powerful thing and liberating thing to recognize you and I... You and you and I, Reed and Nathan, typically do, but you and I, human and me, who is also human, <laughs> don't always <laughs> don't always have the same name. Yeah, but are naming the same phenomena, and that's yeah. I, I don't know uh, how to wrestle that down, but that is a really powerful thing to me in this moment.
1: No, I I hear you. Uh, what it it's not quite the same thing. But what it reminds me of is something that I go to a lot in my conversations with people. I have conversations with people from time to time uh, about the frustrating notion in evangelical America about, uh, like, well, what is God's will for your life or what's God's plan for your life or how do I know what God's purpose for me is or all that. It's it's a—I don't have time to get into all of why that conversation comes up so frequently and so frequently frustrates me when I hear people wrestling over it. But— It reminds me, and when we talk about like the same phenomena with different names, it reminds me of the moment at the end of the Gospel of John where Jesus is speaking with Peter. This is after Christ has resurrected, and Jesus is speaking with Peter, and he does what many consider to be the restoration of Peter's denial of Christ three Mm -hmm. times, Mm -hmm. where he says to him, Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. And so... You know, he, he Jesus repeats that to him, and then Jesus says to him. Now, I don't have the the scripture pulled up, um, but Jesus speaks to him, and he says, "You know, someone's going to dress you in clothes you don't want to wear, and take you somewhere you don't want to go." And basically, Jesus lays out for him there is a fate ahead of you, and this is where you are headed. This is the path that you're on. And so then, and it's kind of a comic. You can view it as a kind of a comical moment uh, because Jesus and Peter are having a conversation, but John is eavesdropping on it, like he's nearby and he's eavesdropping on it. In a way, it's it's kind of funny to, you, to me when I think about it, in a way that Peter notices and calls out, and clearly uh, he's eavesdropping on it because he wrote the book. How would he know what Jesus and Peter said in a private conversation if he wasn't eavesdropping? But uh, he's eavesdropping, and Peter calls him out on it, catches him, and Jesus has just told him, you're on this path, you're going to suffer this fate. Peter turns around and points to John and says, well, what about him? and Jesus looks at him and says if i choose to allow him to remain until i return what is that to you hmm. and there's so much wrapped up in my in my theological understanding in my personal philosophy in the navigation of my world among my family my friends my life of uh, of like understanding like i i can't try to make it look like what this other person has just, just because I may be on a sim in a similar way or something like it's, it is the same phenomena, but specific. It is universal, but but the 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 idea of of Christ. We obviously are believers, so the significance of Christ on the cross, the significance of the empty tomb, all of those things are the same for everyone, I, I believe, but are going to be experienced with the specificity of the spectrum of human experience. Mm-hmm. And we talk in this series about how, you know, this idea that we've gathered that, that prompted the series, and it's fitting it's coming back for the themes of, of dark, is it that of, of Christ on every road. You know, there are some people who would hear that and, and would, would frustrate me to pieces because they'd start to, well, are you talking universalism? Are you talking pluralism? Are you talking all these ideologies? And I want so badly to say, can you just pause for a moment and acknowledge and recognize the mystery that we have been invited into. We have been invited into a profound mystery that can be described if we want to try and can be expressed if we want to open ourselves up to that. But the arrogance to think we could ever define it and the arrogance to think that we could ever encapsulate it or capture it because it is a mystery that is so far extends beyond us and part of the impulse behind this series—I'm sorry that I'm hijacking so much—dude, you're like, fine. You're fine. Part of the impulse behind this series is there are you know, and we we do a podcast where we talk about horror and faith, and and we're two friends just getting the chance to sort of unpack these views of the world that we have uh, in these contexts. But part of why we wanted to do this series is that there's a world beyond ours. There's an experience beyond ours. We are still going to be approaching them with our own experience and definitions, but looking into a window of things that we know we're not going to be able to fully understand and that we know we're not going to be able to fully grasp and wrestle down. And personally speaking, I am, you said earlier what a liberating thought it is. Like, I am very, very comfortable with mystery, with the idea of there let being Let the mystery things be, are, brother. Let the mystery be. Oh, Heather, I do have <laughs> leftovers. But, like, I'm, co- I'm comfortable with that idea of... Uh, I mean, to say that I'm comfortable is probably too arrogant, but 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 I but I do feel like I'm framed well, as a person who embraces it. You know, come on. Uh, and
3: and it's not arrogant. Like I love Roar has the definition of mystery as unending knowability, ability, which is fantastic. But, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. a, a couple of thoughts there. One, I would say it's not it's not that I have to go through this to become who I am. It's not. Is it universalism? It's universal hope. Yes, I hope universally uh, uh, I hope universally for the redemption of all things, uh, man and matter, and I do think there's grounds for that hope, but I do think it's amazing to there's gosh, there was something just a second ago that i that, that, that pinged wildly for me. it's you know the Jesus is on every road, like you this this cultural notion like qua on last week. It is difficult. It was difficult for me to access it the way it was intended. Is Mm. Christ on that road? Yes. Um, Mm. You know, Mm. uh, uh, um, a girl walks home alone at night. I was able to access it on a certain level. Is there stuff still foreign to me that's embedded in there? Absolutely. Is Christ on that road? Yes, he is. It is different. Mm. It is different experiences of the same phenomena. And we are. Yeah. Arrogant. You mentioned concerning your being concerned you're feeling arrogant. I think it's arrogant to dismiss the notion that there are unique and only routes that look a very specific way. It's it it, it literally is the foundation. Go listen to the wailing. It is we mm. have we have propped up a conflict-based entry into the kingdom, which is look the way I do for admittance
1: mm, right mm, yeah yeah. as
3: opposed to holy cow this cosmic intergenerational interdimensional it's it's uh, doug to napel alien saying you have one too it is yeah, Je- jesus yeah. on every possible path shepherding us all into a great kingdom
1: and Can I? Oh, yeah. Oh, please. I'm, I, you just said it, shepherding us all into a great kingdom. Um, I looked it up uh, seconds ago. I was listening to you, uh, but I, I couldn't ignore yeah, it. Yeah, whatever I, you did. I'm. I'm, I'm going to quote no, I'm John. Uh, no, no, I know. I'm going to quote John chapter 10 and a few verses here. Uh, John chapter 10, beginning at verse 13. These are the words of Christ. John chapter 10, verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. Verse 15 says, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, check out verse 16. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. Mm. They, too, will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And... It's exactly I, like I could not escape. I had to look it up because yeah, I could not escape. Good. Like like this, this is it. This is the same phenomena, but there are other sheep. There are other sheep, and 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 Christ said to His people, "I must bring them also." Now, people can define that. I mean, like I'm I'm sure there are listeners out there who, from your experience and understanding, fe- may feel like you have a very firm definition of what that means. Here's what I'm going to invite for you and I to do right now, Nathan, and for me to carry with me however long I have the strength to carry it, to never resolve, I'm getting a little emotional, to never resolve that the other sheep in another pen is concluded, yeah, and that to, to find a place where I will never sit there and say, well, she, she, sheep pen is pretty full, Sheep pen's pretty done. But to hear the words of who I deem master and Lord say, I have other sheep and I must bring them also. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Good God sitting here in this moment. I am every inch of my being is arrested and convicted and emboldened and enlivened to say, I I cannot sit here and say, Oh well, the you know the I I have defined these sheep. Uh, these these sheep are confined and defined because, that's what he gave to his people. This notion of I'm laying down my life, for these sheep. He gave, he spoke of the good shepherd of going out and finding the one, while the ninety nine. I, I was I was about to say let's
3: let's marry some sheep analogies here. And and however yeah. fu- however full you think the pen is whoever is outside the pen is sought after found and returned
1: yes as sought after with with complete focal abandon sure like yeah. to where like that, that 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 is the priority is that one and i had made a statement that i i am positive i've quoted this on the on the on the show before that i still believe that one day the shepherd will return carrying in his arms every single one that the 99 have been convincing themselves he doesn't care about and I feel like that's something that we must, <laughs> must, must, must recognize um, as we are examining and and discerning the world around us and the people in it who look different than us and talk different than us and think different than us. And if we think for a minute that they are any less fearfully or wonderfully are made, then that is the antithesis of the gospel that is the antithesis of the truth, Um, if we think for a moment that Christ cares any less for them, that he bled any less for them, that he seeks with any less fervency to redeem and rescue them, we have fooled ourselves. We are not listening to the good shepherd who has told us very plainly, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also.
3: I'm and lest like we lest yeah, lest we get too far from the analogy. Uh different experiences, same phenomena. Like that's Amen. that's powerful. Um wow. Now my con- my concern is that subsequent seasons of dark are gonna break that analogy, but <laughs> for season one at least, it works, brother. It yeah. works. Yeah, and if are. you know, to borrow Reed's language from earlier, if you're worried, hey, I have to have this narrow theology in order to find a broader one you don't you just have a narrow theology now broaden it
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man there's no Dude, have to I, man i i i am so full my like <laughs> i i don't want to like this is so this happens sometimes on the show it has happened before but my my i say with all sincerity maybe the listeners can hear it maybe they tuned out because i was doing silly old man voice but my my heart is so full right now with the expectancy of what i deem to be the truth that that we are sought after and that not not we alone that even if we were found that that all who are lost are sought after and i'm just man my heart is so thick and full of that and i never Never when I ended it and was like, well, that's kind of a bummer. And I never thought <laughs> that it would produce, you know, a conversation of this of, of this caliber. Um, but uh, but I'm but I'm very, very grateful for it. I'm thankful that it did. Um, so that's good stuff, yeah. man. That's good stuff.
3: Yeah. Um, I am happy to we I, I know with non film stuff, we we sometimes will abandon the fog meter, but I feel like it's appropriate. No, let's do it. OK, no, no, well, cool. Yeah,
1: let's Yeah, yeah let's do it. Um, so um, you I introduced last
3: week, you introduced yeah. this week.
1: So we uh for on on as many episodes as we deem fit, we uh rate these this material uh by the fog meter which is the fear and the god measurement. It's uh it's scare factor and its substance. So on the fear level for dark, there's a tremendous amount of uh you know existential anxiety. There's some great suspense moments, but um it's not of the caliber that I would necessarily call nightmarish or even vastly disturbing. I'm gonna give it a four on the on the general fear measurement.
3: I'm gonna go to five. The first time through, I was indeed uh, harrowed by Mikel's disappearance. But even then, um, I think the, like you said, the existential aspects of it, the what feel like true character consequences for some of the choices that are made. Um, I'm thinking of Ulrich's journey and that sort of thing, uh, really do resonate from a mm. quote quote unquote fear aspect. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with a five on that.
1: Okay. What would you give it for the uh for the God measurement?
3: Well, even I didn't know how how perfectly <laughs> it would culminate the notion of Jesus on every road, Jesus in every dimension, sure. Jesus in every generation, right. Jesus in the friggin' all the whatevers. Um mm. man, uh Only because we applied a pretty thick layer of our own over it. I won't go 10, but I'm going to go 9 because that's that's pretty, it's, you know, yeah.
1: Yeah. If I were going, so if I were going purely based on... Narrative complexity in terms of substance, it would be an easy ten for me. Thematically, I'm still kind of trying to grasp it, and I, like you, agree that we that so much of what we were able to extrapolate is is uh, you know kind of what we've been building towards and in, in our own knitting of our hearts and minds together in these conversations. So I'm, I'm hedge a little bit, and I'm going to go seven.
3: Cool. Um, well, that means that Dark Season One nets a six and a half rating. On the fog meter, which is good, man. 10 hours worth of anything (laughs) holding up to six and a half points is pretty, pretty formidable. Absolutely. Um, Let's hope that your sort of take on the, at least RT consensus is strong or is appropriate. And we are going (laughs) to enjoy season two because we're going to do season two regardless. We are going to do it. We are going to do it. Reed, thank you for, uh, I know you deferred a little bit in the wailing to some of my sort of broader intentions for what this Mm, mm. broad, you know, kind of lengthy conversation could be, overarching, and and I appreciate your trust um, and willingness to to, uh, step onto the road as well. Um, so yeah, this is, this no, is fun. Amen. I'm looking forward to the '70s. I'm looking forward to getting back to phase two of speaking in
1: tongues. Me too. Yeah. Oh, me too. So, all right. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we at this point in time, the voting. Well, let me just be transparent with you, in true dark time travel fashion. At the point of this recording, we have not tallied all the votes um but as you are listening to it the votes have been tallied for I love the 70s stay tuned to our social media feeds to find out which entry we are visiting first uh for the uh, countdown of your favorite horror films of the 1970s um and thank you for going coming along with us on this journey if you enjoy this journey then stay tuned after we catalog the 70s because we'll be going right back into it again so um ah Nathan i Man, this is this you know what, a delight. A you know what delight.
3: sucks the most about this, uh, this podcast conversation ending? Is what? that it's 1.30 Eastern Standard Time, and I really want to start Dark Season 2. And there's just, I hear you. There's I just hear no you. way I can make that happen.
1: I know. I know. I know. <laughs> oh man. Well, thank you again for uh, inviting me, compelling me into uh, this show and I'm I'm excited to see what, what happens yeah.
3: next. Yeah, so. it's gonna be exciting. Well we look forward right. to s- embarking into the seventies next week as the BGs take over for about four mm-hmm. episodes.
1: <laughs> Happy Halloween,
3: <laughs> comfort in the creepy, y'all. We'll see you next week.
1: Bye guys. The Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. You can follow us on Twitter, at The Fear of God. You can like and follow us on Facebook, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. You can follow us on Instagram, at Fear of God Podcast, or go to MoreThanOneLesson.com to leave a comment on this post or any of the other official episode posts. Email us at FearofGodPodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed by Lee Wright and Reed Lackey, and our podcast art was crafted by Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com. Merchandise for the show can now be found at tpublic.com. Just search for The Fear of God Podcast, all one word. And last but not least, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or a review. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.